Thanks. Go ahead. Okay. Is that better? Can y'all hear me? Okay. <laughs> Do I? Oh. Oh, you can't hear me through the speaker. Speaker. Oh, that's no good. Okay. All right. There we go. Thank you. There is a God. If you uh if you have your Bible, please uh open it to Colossians chapter one. We will be focusing on verses um eighteen B through verse twenty three. Colossians one verse eighteen B through twenty three. Uh, I hope each of you have had a uh, decent week uh, this week on purpose, and I, I do want to thank you all for uh, being here today, and those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, thank you so much for being with us also. I'm grateful for your physical and your virtual presence, so thank you all for, for being here. And today we're heading into uh, the fourth day of a divine convention that has been presenting to y'all the real Jesus of Nazareth, the real Jesus of Nazareth. And keep in mind that the content and the message of this convention comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And in every word presented is true. Every statement spoken is a fact. Remember the, the previous three days of the divine convention. Re- remember what 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 those what, what they say and present about the real Jesus. On, on day one, he's the image of the invisible God. In Colossians one, fifteen a, these are all amen statements. On day two, he his supremacy rules over all things and all people. He's the creator of all creation. On day three, he's the head of the church, a.k.a. the HGMC, the the head God-man in charge. And this morning, on the fourth day of the convention, Jesus is presented as the redeemer of all of creation. The redeemer of all of creation. And let that settle in your hearts for a moment. This fact about the real Jesus is adds another layer to who he is and to what he does. You see, your redeemer is needed when something goes wrong. Okay? A redeemer is needed if someone needs to be set free, if someone needs to be ransomed, if something needs to be restored. This truth about Jesus 
takes into account that something has happened that requires a redeemer to make it right. Look with me at verse 18b. This is God's word to his holy people. Let me find it. And he is the head of the church. He is head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of, of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, that you there is plural, so it would be, and y'all, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present y'all holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven for which I, Paul, became a minister. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, your, your moving is not dependent upon our technology. It's, it's just not. You're, 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 you're not dependent upon our technology working properly to move. We're not dependent upon... Um, the service going in like we always wanted in order for you to give encouragement, in order for you to redeem those that are lost. Now, you use the resources that we have, but you're not dependent upon them to do your job. And so, Holy Spirit, we are grateful for that. We are grateful that, that, that even in this season, you are still at work. You are still encouraging those who know Christ in faith, you are still drawing more and more people into the kingdom. You, you're not on vacation. A pandemic does not slow you down. You're still at work. You're still moving. And so I, I plead with you and, and I beg of you, Holy Spirit, that you will move today in my heart, in my mind, in my emotions, in my circumstances. And, and I pray for Everyone that's here, everyone that is watching on Facebook Live, you know their stories. You know their struggles. You know their fears, their insecurities, their unbelief, their doubts, their self-righteousness. You know it all. And you know what they need to hear. And I pray that you would take this word and apply it to all of our hearts. Give encouragement. Give redemption. Rebuke who needs to be rebuked. So, Holy Spirit, be that counselor for us. Be what we need today. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Kids are interesting image bearers. Let's just say that. They can, they can wow you at times. And then they can make you scratch your heads at your head at other times. It, it, particularly in a way that they can tear down any room in your house. 
at any time, at any given moment. I mean, the room can be clean from top to bottom. But when kids storm through, chaos is often left behind. Dirty clothes on the floor, toys on the floor, toothpaste on the countertops in the bathroom, Play-Doh in the carpet, Legos on the floor. When when they leave the room, it, it appears that you haven't cleaned that room in weeks. The mess and the dirt isn't going to clean itself up. Someone has to come in and fix the dirtiness. Someone has to come in to make that thing clean. Someone has to come in and to redeem that situation. Someone has to get dirty in order to make the room clean again. If you ever clean your house, that you're not going to be you're not going to be clean when it's done. The house will be clean, but you're going to be dirty. You'll be dirty. So someone has to be willing to get dirty themselves in order to make it all clean. Saints and guests, please hear that. Please hear this. Through Jesus, God created a good and perfect world. A good and perfect world. Remember what verses 15 and 16 say. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And as I said when I preached that sermon, in the Greek, all things means all things. You don't have to go to a commentary. You don't, go to have, you don't have to go search for your favorite celebrity pastor to understand what that means. It's all things. John 1, verses 1 and 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Again, that's Jesus. Hebrews 11, verse Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Through Jesus, God creates a clean world. When you read Genesis 1 and 2, have you ever thought about Jesus being part of that process? He is. And so is the Spirit. We worship a Trinitarian God. 1 and 3. He's there in the very beginning. And so in this creation, God, there's no mess in the beginning. Think about that. No dirt. No Play-Doh in the carpet, no dirty clothes on the floor, and no toothpaste on your countertops. And so in the words of Outcast, if, if creation was a person, it would say, ain't nobody dope as me. I'm dressed so fresh, so clean. God's creation is fresh and clean in the beginning, spotless from top to bottom. You, you want to talk about curb appeal? They had, it had curb appeal. It was beautiful, but something happened. Something happened to his clean house, to his clean, clean, clean creation. Something happened 
that Febreze can't help you. Febreze can't help you. Lysol can't help you. Pine Sol can't help it either. Mr. Clean can't help it either. I forgot to mention that God had two kids in his house, and they had a whole bunch of animals in the house with them. Their names are Adam and Eve, and, and, and they mess up the house. They, they're the reason a storm comes and, and stains all of God's creation. The storm is called the fall. And because it comes because they disobey their father, they disobey God by eating from the forbidden tree. And as a result, and as a result, the mess of sin and the dirt of death enter into God's good creation and mess everything up. Play-Doh comes into the carpet. There's toothpaste on the countertop. There's dirty clothes on the floor. It's all messy. Rebellion, their rebellion, it, it breaks the imago day in them. And it also breaks the rest of creation. And this is, this is something hard sometimes for us as, as American Christians to think about because we live in a very individual, individualistic culture that, that all of creation was impacted by the fall. That's why we have hurricanes. I know there's science behind that and everything, too. But I was thinking in the very beginning, hurricanes wouldn't have been part of the process. No tsunamis. No global warming. None of those things would be happening if Genesis 3 didn't happen. Creation itself suffers, not just us. So the fall and its consequences are real. They're real. And, and, and they have fallen on all image bearers. All of us in every part of God's creation. It makes everyone and everything messy and dirty. And we all have issues now. So if you're sitting here and if you're tuning in and, and you don't think you have issues, then you don't know yourself. All the kids here, you, your, you, you, your parents are the only ones with issues. You got issues too. You may be young, your issues may be small, but when you grow up, guess what? They're going to turn to big issues. You, you can't escape it. You have to be redeemed out of it. The fall is the reason why all human beings are born into a state of sin and misery. This is the truth. And you don't have to like it, but these are the facts about who we are as creatures who now live east of Eden. We struggle. There's stains over all of us. And now someone outside of us is needed to clean everything up. Someone outside of us is needed to deal with the mess and the dirt. Someone is needed to, to make it clean. Someone is needed to restore what's broken, to resurrect the dead stuff, to clean up the dirt. Someone is needed to, to make things right again. And that someone is a redeemer. And that redeemer is the real Jesus Christ of Nazareth. A redeemer is needed. I know, I know that can be hard to imagine when you live in a first world country like ours with first world issues. Where our biggest struggle is what kind of latte I'm going to have today. 
But you need a redeemer. You need a redeemer. Jesus fixed the bill. He's Mr. Clean. He's the fixer. He's the only one who can restore what's broken. You can't. Your money can't. Your education can't. Your success can't. Your organizations can't. Only Jesus. Only him. Why? Because he's the redeemer. Not one of many redeemers. He's the only one. Anyone else that claims to be a redeemer, that dude's a liar. Or she. Don't have to be a dude. Do y'all believe it? Do y'all submit to it? Do y'all live it? I'm talking about in the places where you truly live, Monday through Saturday, do you really believe Jesus is the only redeemer of all of creation? When it comes to your life, when it comes to the world, that he's the one doing it. What kind of redeemer is Jesus? This is where some of y'all toes might get stepped on. What kind of redeemer do you want him to be? Think about those two questions carefully. What type of redeemer do y'all want Jesus to really be? A redeemer who saves you from discomfort. A redeemer who saves you from suffering. A redeemer who would keep your political candidate in office. A redeemer who saves you from doing your homework if you're a kid. A redeemer who saves you from inconvenience. Again, what kind of redeemer do y'all want Jesus to be? One who saves you from disappointment? One who saves you from discipline when your parents catch you in a lie? Or one who saves you from experiencing the consequences of your sin? If I live under grace, why must I deal with the consequences of my sin? Because your sin, because your sin still causes damage. Not just for you but for every other people in your life? Or do you want a redeemer who will save you from losing all your rights and privileges as an American citizen? Is that what you want Jesus to do for you as a redeemer? Again, what kind of redeemer do you want? A redeemer who saves you from all those evil liberals? A redeemer who saves you from all those evil conservatives? A redeemer who only agrees with your tribe and your culture and your nation and, and your ethnic group. A redeemer who is created in your own image. What kind of redeemer do you want Jesus to be? Not the Sunday school answer. Functionally, what does your life say? Functionally, what does your life say? We are on social media. What does your life say? When you spend your time, what does your life say? As you parent your kids, what does your life say? As you function in our society, what does your life say about what kind of redeemer you want Jesus to be? See, there's the rhetoric, and then there's the reality. See, we good with the rhetoric. We good with speaking it, talking the game. But when we dig, when the Spirit comes digging around in your life, he finds blind spots inconsistency what does he reveal about you and 
here's the thing. If you can easily point out the blind spots in somebody else, that might be yours too. The divine convention that we are attending answers this question right. And you all need this answer because the labels y'all place on Jesus as a redeemer are just too small. Too small. Too small. And the boxes y'all place him in is actually idolatry. <laughs> but we, we, because we're so far in idolatry, we can't even see it. It often takes people who are different than you to point out your own idolatry. <laughs> but then sometimes when you resist, resist that, that's you cursing your own blessing from God. You say, well, Jesus, make me more like you. Well, I send a brother and sister to call you out on something, but you told them to stop. But stop asking me if you're going to recurse when I bring it into your life. What kind of redeemer is the real Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus is a redeemer who rose again. And that's bigger than any box you can put him in. Bigger than any box you can put him in. He's a resurrected redeemer. Look at verse 18b. He says, he, that is Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Alex? How can Jesus be the firstborn from the dead when, there's, when there are other resurrections in the Bible? You do realize that, right? There, there are other resurrections in the Bible. There are two resurrections in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 14. There are three resurrections in the New Testament, Luke 7, Luke 8, and John 11. It's true. All five people are raised from the dead before Christ, but each of them will die again. Jesus doesn't die again. He dies once. He dies once. Jesus' resurrection is different. Okay? But please, don't make him so like you that he's not other than you. He's like you and other than you. So we have this romanticized view of Jesus. He's other than you too. His resurrection is on a whole another level. It changes the game. The, the term firstborn can refer to birth order and it can refer to birth right. In verse 15b, it refers to birth order. Jesus has the rank and privileges of a firstborn son. But here in verse 18b, the term refers to birth order and birth right. This means Jesus' resurrection is superior, it's higher rank than all others, and his resurrection is first, the beginning. Why is his, why is his resurrection the beginning? Why is it first? Acts 26, verse 23 says, Jesus is the first to, ra- to, raise, to rise from the dead. Revelation 5, 7 calls him the firstborn of the dead. And, and 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus' resurrection is first because his resurrection is the beginning of the new order of life. His resurrection is first because his resurrection is the beginning of a new order of things. Revelation 21.5 says, 
And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And that started with his resurrection. Do you believe that? It started with his resurrection. His resurrection is the beginning of the new creation, moving towards the new heaven and the new earth. It ain't just about your salvation. It's best part of it, but it's bigger than that. The resurrected redeemer is the founder of this new creation, the initiator, even the sustainer. So, so we have to understand that Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of the redemption of all things. Of all things. A guy that I follow on social media, he, 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 he says a lot of great things. His name is um, Dr. Anthony Bradley. And he says one of the problems that we have in, in America is that we're so much of a great commission people, but we're not a cog, cosmic redemption people. We make things just about individual salvation, but when redemption includes a lot much more than that. It ain't just about you repenting of your sins and getting to heaven. That is individualistic. It's bigger than you. Christ is going to redeem all of this. All of it. Every single thing here, he's going to redeem. This is cosmic redemption. which includes the whole planet, not just the United States. Look at verses 19 and 20. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven, whether on earth, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Don't do not reduce that to just personal salvation. That is cosmic redemption. Again, all things is all things. Not just some things. It's everything. But do we believe that? Again, we place Jesus in a box. He's bigger than your box. Do y'all see it, saints? Y'all understand it, saints, that Jesus' resurrection is first in the new creation. His resurrection is the beginning of cosmic redemption, making all things new, reconciling all things to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. For Christians here and or those watching on Facebook Live, do y'all care about cosmic redemption? Or just your own individual salvation? Do you care about the life of other image bearers? Or just your own? Dr. Anthony Bradley writes, he says, We do know that God's ultimate work of redemption in Christ includes people, places, and things. God wants his people to care about the destinies of people in every aspect of creation that's you do y'all care as redeemer jesus cares he cares about every inch every corner every crack 
every margin, every gutter, every ghetto, every suburb in creation. And he does not discriminate. He cares about it all. That's what it is. That's what it means for him to be redeemed. Jesus' resurrection isn't just first. It's also superior. So his resurrection is also about his supremacy. And, and I don't want y'all to miss this. His resurrection is him exercising authority. His authority over death. His authority over sin. His authority over Satan. Put it this way. His resurrection is his receipts. Some of y'all know what that means. Receipts is that when you come to prove something, you present the receipt. Jesus has presented the receipts. And he don't, he, he don't need yours. Your receipts are trash. He don't need them. Does not need them. Peter says in Acts, Acts 2, 4, in Acts, he said, God raised him up, loosening the robes of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Again, is that your Redeemer? Or is your Redeemer small? Small Jesus. Little Jesus you hang around your neck that you control. Death could not hold him down. Jesus conquers the grave. Is that your, is that your Redeemer? Paul says in, in Romans 6, we know that, that Christ has been raised from the dead, would never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Again, is that your Redeemer? The power of sin meets its end in Jesus. In Jesus. Again, is this your Redeemer? And in John 12, 31, Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. That ruler is Satan. And Jesus is the one who cast him out. Again, is this your redeemer? Give him some credit. He's bigger than the box you put him in. Jesus brings all three of these enemies to their knees with his resurrection. He rises from the grave and says, y'all need to get off of me. Get off of me. You cannot hold me down. He defeats them. He puts his foot on their neck. And the promise in Genesis 3.14, it finds its fulfillment in the life and, and death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and if, you, if you were here in the beginning of the series, you know Genesis 3.15 uh, was, was a pre-gospel. That it was the promise that, that the seed from the woman would come and would crush the head of the serpent. And that seed is Jesus. The real Jesus of Nazareth crushed the head of the serpent with his resurrection from the grave. Is that your redeemer? Because if it's not, then you've got a wrong redeemer. You've got a fake one. You see, before the resurrection, Jesus is buried. Before he's buried, he dies. Before he dies, he's crucified. And before he's crucified, he, he's beaten. 
You see, the redeemer who is resurrected in power and glory is also a redeemer who suffers greatly for the sake of God's image bearers. You got to know that. He suffers for us. Think, Think about this. God in the flesh took a beating that you deserve. That should have been us on that cross. Hanging there in the heat of the day. That, 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 that beating was for you. But Christ, God in the flesh, took your place. The suffering of the Redeemer, the suffering of the Redeemer is necessary. The cross is necessary. The grave is necessary. Because without the suffering, there is no reconciliation and restoration and redemption without it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Do you understand that truth? Jesus suffers a violent death for his image. That's an amen statement because you was not God's friend. You wasn't God's homeboy. You you weren't even his teammate. You was God's enemy when Christ went to the cross for you. His blood is shed as payment for our sin debt. His blood satisfies God's wrath and and judgment towards our sin. Jesus is the suffering servant, suffering redeemer, and the resurrected redeemer who makes peace by the blood of his cross. Again, what kind of redeemer is Jesus for you? What kind of Jesus is this? In the final scene of the Black Panther, King King Shashala uh, said to the United Nations, in times of crisis, the, the wise build bridges, but the foolish build barriers. We must, we must find a way to look after one another as if we are one single tribe. The, the fall is, is caused a great crisis in creation. It, it broke the relationship between God and, and image bearers. And so God had to send his son to be that bridge. He's the only bridge. And are y'all walking on that bridge right now? The bridge is always open. It's always open. All you have to do is receive Jesus in saving faith. Confess, repent of your sins. Confess and surrender to him as Savior and Lord. You can't pick and choose that. You can't just say, I want him as my Savior, but Lordship, I I want to be my own Lord. Jesus does not work that way. He's going to be your Savior, and he's going to be your Lord. He's going to be your Redeemer, and he's going to be your King who tells you what to do. You don't tell him what to do. That's Plato Jesus, not the real Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus alone. And if you have saving faith in Christ today, remember what you were redeemed from. Think about that. See, we sometimes forget what we were redeemed from. We've been Christians for so long, we think we've always been Christians. And what comes is this self-righteousness comes because we forget who we were. Before Christ redeemed us, you were in a gutter. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
I mean, you were dead. You were flatlined. You were gone. But because of God's great love and mercy, he regenerated you and gave you new life. The reason, one of the reasons why we, we are not gracious with others in their sin is because we think we deserve God's grace. We forget what we were redeemed from. Remember what he redeemed you from. And also remember who he redeemed you to. You are son and daughter of the king now. Act like it. You are son and daughter of the king now. Act like it on social media. You are son and daughter of the king now. Act like it in public. Act like it on November 3rd. Don't go out to acting a fool. Represent the father wisely. Remember what you were redeemed from and remember to who you belong. Your name has been changed. Son, daughter, no longer orphan, no longer outcast. You are son and daughter now of the king of the universe. So you can walk in security and in confidence because of that. Christ has not reconciled you to a particular nation, political party, or social movement. He reconciled you to Yahweh Elohim. That, that's it. Everybody here should be standing up dancing because of that truth. Do you? Does your soul rejoice at that? That at this moment, if you are a Christian, the God who, who spoke the world into existence looks at you and calls you son and daughter. Does that make your soul rejoice? Or are you just like, oh, no, that's okay. I've seen better. Then you need some humility. That should excite us now. That should light a fire in us. That I, the worst of all sinners, I, get, I, can, I can love God back because of Jesus. That when he looks at me, he doesn't see the sin that I struggle with. He, he sees a son that he loves. That changes you if you let that stuff get down in your soul. Stop playing church and be the church. Stop playing like you're a believer and be one. Stop, pretend, stop playing like you're a child and be one because it's who you are. It's who you are. No other group of people in the world get to do what we do. And yet we take it for granted because we think we deserve it. We're the only religious folk in the world who who get to praise the one true God. And yet we wonder, I probably can do something else today. We are a privileged church in America. And it's easy for a privileged church to take for granted, for the persecuted church does not. Don't take this for granted. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. Paul tells the Corinthians in verses 21 and 23, he reminds them of what Christ redeemed them from. He reminds them 
of who Christ redeemed them to. And he also encourages them to continue to press on in the faith, to be stable and steadfast, continue to rest and, and trust in Jesus. He, he doesn't want them to drift away from the hope of the gospel and turn to man-made idols. It's so easy in our culture to drift away from the hope of the gospel and placing our hope in man. How are you placing your hope in man right now? You know, Pastor, the world's going to fall apart in, in, in November the 4th. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, Pastor, I don't. 2020, I, I just don't know. Get over yourself. The fall messed things up already. Christ is in the midst of redeeming it. He's in the midst of redeeming it. Believe it. He is your sustainer. He is your provider. He is your shepherd. He's the one that's doing it. Look at verse 21. It says, uh, and y'all who were once alienated and hostile in the mind. Again, he's talking to the whole church, all of them together. So you can't look at the person next to you. You need to look at yourself. All y'all who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present y'all holy, blameless, and above reproach. If indeed y'all continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that y'all heard and that has been preached in all creation on the earth. You notice something about those words? Some of you are trying to present yourself holy and blameless above reproach. When Paul says, you I mean, come on. What, what, what does that mean? That is, your sanctification ain't just up to you. That, that the Redeemer who redeems you is a Redeemer who's sanctifying you too. Give him some credit. Give him some credit that you're not a finished product. The church, corporately, is not a finished product. She won't be finished until he comes again. So, and because of that, there will be struggles. There will be suffering. There will be shortcomings. But he is the one presenting y'all to himself. Man, that, that, again, if you can wrap your minds around that, it sets you free to be sons and daughters. It sets you free to live. It sets you free to love your neighbor. It sets you free to, to, to fight for truth and justice. Because you're not doing it to earn righteousness. You're just doing it to reflect Christ. Does this truth touch you? Or am I just giving you a good motivational boost to get through the week? Participation trophies are trophies given for just showing up and playing a sport. And I don't like participation trophies. 
they don't recognize the winners in a sport. No first place, no second place, no last place. The participation trophy says you're a winner just by participating. Everybody's doing a good job because they showed up. And we know life is not that way. The divine convention and this message is not about Jesus getting a, getting a participation trophy. He doesn't, he doesn't, it's not about him getting a reward but just by showing up. He participates and he wins. He shows up and he gets the job done. He puts the work in, in all things and in every way. That's why verse 18b says he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. But what does that mean, Pastor Alex? Jesus wants to be first in everything. He wants the glory in everything. He's never in second. He's never in third. He's always in first place, and he doesn't need you up on the podium with him. He said, this is my light. It's my spotlight. It's my glory. You need to get down with everybody else on your knees and worship me. Jesus is preeminent, exceptional, and transcendent. His life is superior. His death is superior. His suffering is superior. His resurrection is superior. He's greater and better in all things and always he is in everything. He is supreme. Again, is that your redeemer? Is that your redeemer? The message Bible says Jesus was supreme in the beginning And leading, listen to this, and leading the resurrection parade. I love this. He's the draw major. Everybody else is behind him. He is supreme in the end. From the beginning, he's there towering over everyone and everything. In Revelation 22, 13 says, Christ says, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Again, is this your redeemer? Because anyone else is just fake. Anyone else will not do. Will not do. One Christian writer says, we do not offer people a system of redemption to to a set of insights and principles. We offer people an actual redeemer. And if we don't know that Redeemer, we can't offer him to anyone else. We offer people Jesus. There's going to be a lot of unbelievers come November the 4th who are going to be rejoicing falsely, are going to be in despair because they candidate won or lost. And how are we going to navigate that? Are we going to be the ones rejoicing? Are we going to be the ones of despair? Are we going to offer these people Jesus? You already know how you're going to function. You already know how you function. But who? What are you offering people? Who, who are you calling them to? Offer them Jesus. And you can't offer them Jesus if you are not spending time with them. Yourself. Can't lead people to a fountain you don't drink from. 
If you're not drinking for the Redeemer's fountain, if you're not bound down to the Redeemer, you're going to lead people to false gods, to other idols. Lead them to the real Jesus. Jesus, who is a suffering Redeemer, a, a resurrected Redeemer, a, a one who's redeeming all the creation. He, the Redeemer who continues to sustain his people and a Redeemer who is preeminent in every single thing. And that's what I leave you with. If you don't commune with Jesus in prayer, in the word, then you cannot offer him to nobody because you don't enjoy him. I'm not talking about listening to sermons. I'm not talking about reading theology books or listening to podcasts. I'm talking about you opening up this Bible, sitting in your prayer closet, and opening it up and saying, Father, teach me. Father, commune with me. Father, change my heart. That's what I'm talking about. You have to walk with him as if he's standing right beside you as your friend. We know a lot about Jesus. But we don't know what it means to be with Jesus. You know a lot about him, but you don't know what it means to be with him. And that's why you can't offer him to anybody else. Because he is just a, a, a figure of your imagination that's just in the Bible, but he's not real to you. We got to be, he has to be real to us if he's going to be real to them. And guess what? Nobody else can make, no one else can share that. No other group of people can offer the dying world a real Jesus. But us, us, the church. And it's my prayer that this year, before the end of this year, that the church in America will actually be the church. Make that your prayer. That we will give them the real redeemer. Not a redeemer of our own imagination. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're not a system, but you are a person and that you're real. And my prayer for this church, I'm not pastor of every church in America or the world, I'm pastor of the village church. And so my prayer for our body is that you, Holy Spirit, would make Jesus sweeter and sweeter and sweeter to us. That we will commune with Jesus. That we will walk with Jesus. And that you would transform us from the inside out to be more like Jesus. And as we walk with him, we will love who he loves and what he loves. Will you do that, Holy Spirit? I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. I'd like to thank y'all again for